Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Listen to the Believe in Vikings podcast with B-Mac and Baker. This is Believe in Vikings. It is a four and six edition because Minnesota fell to the Dallas Cowboys in depressing fashion. Um, I am your host, um, Dustin Baker, and I'm here with Pro Bowl left tackle from the Minnesota Vikings, Brian McKinney. Happy Thanksgiving, my dude. Happy Thanksgiving to you, too. (laughs) We're, We're thankful for... Let's see, the win streak that we had, and uh, hopefully right. we'll get back on track. Uh, first, we're going to pay homage to our sponsor. The NFL season is in full swing. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on all the action at Bet Uh The Vikings are three-and-a-half-point favorites as it stands midweek, right before Thanksgiving. Um, so if you believe in Vikings, go on over to betonline.ag and put some money down on that. From game spreads and totals to taint, team and player and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any other place online. And there is always the online casino that's open and it never closes. So head on uh, over to betonline.ag and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. Vikings fell 31-28 to to the Dallas Cowboys, and it was a contest where the, the start, the first half was pretty sloppy, pretty slow, and then they took seized the momentum in the third quarter and coughed it all away, and it was exactly the opposite of what this team needed to try to make a run at the postseason. Bryant, what are your thoughts um, on the Cowboy game? I actually looked at the game and thought like we was going to come out with a win. Yeah. Um, you know, start off good, and they, I feel like they did a great job, you know, all the way to the very end. Um, definitely felt like we could finally move in to be 5-5, five and five, you know, get 500 and start building up. But, uh, you know, that, that touchdown at the end, you know, just kind of set everything back. And I was looking to come on here and be really thankful for a four-game win for this week. But, you know. Let's start back over and try to rebuild some momentum. Yeah, I agree there. And I really thought, especially at halftime, when we were down nine points, um, I sincerely felt there was a comeback in order. There is a feeling about Vikings games, especially with Zimmer as the head coach. Uh, You can tell when they're going to win, and you can tell when they're not. And this was one of the ones that I would have said, yeah, they're going to win. They had... Cousins had 314 passing yards, three touchdowns. Dalvin Cook had over 100 yards rushing, and he scored a touchdown. And that is usually 
automatic for an offense um, in the Vikings to win. In fact, with all of those criteria I just mentioned, three touchdowns by the quarterback and the uh, 100 yards by Dalvin, touchdown by Dalvin, the Vikings have not lost a game with those parameters since 1981. So that's how much of a drought it's been. So I'm, face, I'm facing the reality right now that this team appears to be an average one in the sense it can beat a lot of teams and then it can cough away a lot of wins or straight up get their ass beat like as happened with the Colts and the Falcons. So, uh, Bryant, you were part of a handful of eh, a couple average teams with the Vikings. Um, what is the team morale like when when there's kind of the realization that the team is either up and down or just average you know what's funny is the, a lot of times when the team was average i was always a part of the good offense though yeah. <laughs> like, so it would be more um you know us trying to help build the defensive guys morale and just telling them like little things like you know we just look we're going to put up this amount of points we just need y'all to stop we're going to put up 31 points we need they can't score more than 29, like, you know, things like that, like to kind of build them up. Because at the end of the day, like, if you're going to get this high power offense in practice every day, you should kind of be used to some of it, you know what I mean, in game yeah. time. So that's how we kind of looked at things. Um, but it can be a little discouraging because, like, you're a team at the end of the day, but one side of the ball is really doing, you know, their thing, and the other side of the ball is struggling. So, you're basically all struggling at the end of the day because you need both, you know, you need all three phases, you know, to be successful. Yeah. And only one of them to your point did that against the Cowboys. And that was the offense. And yeah, when you said that just dawned on me that you're the perfect person to ask that question to, because uh, right now in most games, it's the Vikings offense that is holding all the weight. And then for some reason, well, we know what the reasons are the youth and the injuries, the defense isn't doing, you know, its part and that's what happened a lot of the time uh with you guys and Culpepper and Moss mm-hmm. and those gentlemen is that uh it was an offense first organization and games were shootouts and the defense back then really didn't tackle very well I can remember that vividly so yep it's it's there's their ups and downs in this 2020 season season this particular game saw that defensive regression after we had three games of pretty competent play against the Packers for starters. And then the lions who were right in the medium of being average uh, offensively. And then the bears who are not very good. So that sample size is a little jaded because you know, it's not the most uh, insurmountable one, but the defense was trending upward. And for now we took a step back. So I have to call out the inconsistency of this bunch. And typically when teams start to play like this where they beat teams they shouldn't and then they lose to teams that they shouldn't that kind of means you're headed towards a seven and nine eight and eight maybe nine and seven if you're your lucky type of record this type of thing happened to the saints in the mid 2010s 2014 2015 2016 every single year the drew Brees saints finished seven and nine and nationally didn't take a whole lot of flack for it because Brees is kind of immune to that but that might be where we're headed to a seven and nine, unfortunately. In this game against the Cowboys, uncharacteristically, there were a bunch of penalties. Some of them were garbage, like the helmet to helmet on Cousins that ca- caused the fumble. And then Harrison Smith had a crazy, it was a beautiful hit, and he got called for unnecessary roughness. Um, do you recall, Brian, games where penalties would shoot you in the foot? And, you know, what does that feel like? Um, we have like a board where, you know, and, you know, shows the often you know the shows our penalty versus our opponent's penalties and things like that, and says you how many yards you've basically given away. Okay. So that's something we try to mem- minimize a lot. 
And I feel like I remember, like, uh, I think the Saints game was, like, a lot of penalties. I know there was a lot of fumbles in that game. I can't remember if it was a lot of penalties or not, though, but I just know that those turnovers and penalties are big things um, for an offense because you don't want to give up free yardage. You don't want to give up um, the opposing team the field event, uh, you know, field advantage. So um, th- those are very important things. Yeah, turnovers for sure. I knew that one. And I guess penalties, the Vikings are a pretty decent team when it comes to penalties. So I don't have to think about that being a problem too much, but it makes total sense that just as turnovers are, you know, freebies to the opposition that uh, penalties would be as well. So uh, thanks for calling that out. Um, Another thing that I must mention is that uh, Kirk Cousins was absolutely brilliant in this football game. And it will be a game that, as, as far as his performance goes, we're just not going to remember it because it resulted in the loss. He did everything that he needed to do to give this team a chance to win. He threw two touchdown passes from behind while in the fourth quarter, and it just wasn't enough. Um, then on the final drive there, you might recall that Justin Jefferson dropped a second down reception that was assuredly a first down and probably anywhere from 10 to 30 yards, and that would have put us closer to tying the game via field goal. But uh, it just did not pan out. But Kirk Cousins was not the problem in this game. And it's frustrating that uh, nobody, for the most part, will remember that this was a game that they should have won because he had his best game of the year. Another thing that's bizarre, Bryant, we've talked about this is, and you've talked about it with pandemic and preseason, and is that home field advantage does, I've come to the realization, doesn't matter right now. It doesn't. At all. Because you don't have the fans there to kind of pump you up and, Cause you know you get feed on other people's energy, you know, in, in the stadium and pump you up and get you going. And then them being loud can be a distraction as far as communicating, you know, with the away team and things like that. So you don't have those distractions, you don't have that energy in there. So it's like you have to kind of find ways to create your own energy. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've uh, I've looking at the schedule now. I've trained myself in the past three or four days that it does flat out doesn't matter if it's home or away. Uh, for the most part, even if there yeah, is, it really doesn't. Yeah, if there's fans at away games, it's not going to create crazy noise. So this is probably going to be the one season, hopefully in NFL history, where it just doesn't matter, the home field advantage. And it almost feels like the Vikings play worse at home. And I never thought I would say those words, especially for U.S. Right. Bank, US Bank Stadium. Uh, the Dallas Cowboys are still in the hunt for the NFC East. They are 3-7. and seven. Um, but that is a half game behind the Eagles, um, who are three, six, and one. So they certainly had something to play for because there is a very good chance that they will host a home playoff game with a record of something like six and ten or seven and nine. And it's just completely weird that uh, a three and or two and seven team, you know, had something to play for. And I've never seen that in terms of you know fighting for a playoff spot. But here we are, so to speak. Uh, another, another thing I wanted to call out for our listeners is that this defense is being kept afloat by Eric Kendricks and Harrison Smith. Uh, ordinarily, when Kendricks has like that really sweet interception that he had um, where he dove and caught it, usually that's like the cherry on top for a Zimmer defense because it's normally stopping uh, teams on third down and only you know allowing in 18, 19 points. So when you had turnovers like that, it was like, sweet or emblematic of how the defense is playing. But what uh, Hitman and Eric Kendricks are doing right now is keeping everybody else afloat. And 
I, I shudder to think what this defense would be like without those two. So those two certainly deserve credit. Um, blown plays were another humongous thing, and I'm sure you saw that, Bryant. Um, Chris Boyd dropped a interception in the end zone um, late in the fourth quarter that would have ended the game. Um, we actually tried a fake punt, and it worked until it was called back on penalty. And just like the Seattle game, we had the Cowboys dead to rights on fourth down on the final drive of the opponent's final drive, fourth and six, and it was complete to Amari Cooper, just like it happened on fourth and 10 in Seattle. So these tiny little, I don't know, moments that usually the Vikings defense rises to the occasion, it's just not happening right now. And it's, it's unbelievably frustrating. Um, on the dropping of the game entering game winning interception, Bryant, can you remember any moments like that in your career where it's just absolutely devastating based on a single play alone? I can't tune into one. Yeah. <laughs> I probably try to erase it out of my memory. <laughs> <laughs> Good. But um, I'm pretty sure I've had those moments where it definitely was, you know, a play away from a win and, um, you know, couldn't come up with it. I can think of one on the more positive side. I remember um, was that Sam Fran with Brett Favre, and he threw that. Um, oh yeah, bomb at the end. I, so I can remember that of us on being on that side and winning at the last minute. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was to Greg, but uh, Lewis. Yeah, so on the on the other end with that uh, the defensive guy dropping the ball, something like that. I can't. Yeah, probably chose to forget about it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and good for you. Um, I won't forget about this one. Uh, that's just because it burned, um, but it will uh, fade in my memory. Um, so on that Favre uh, walk. Oh yeah. Touchdown. I just, why did I just think about it? Were you talking about New Orleans? No, no, no. I was going to comment more. No, I'm not going to bring that up tonight. Uh, I was going to um, comment more on that. The week three that you're talking about in 2009 when Favre, uh, that was basically like, his welcome to Minnesota moment, um, even though you guys were 2-0 and going into that game. But one thing that I will never forget about that play, and it doesn't get talked about enough, is that – so that was a 39-yard touchdown pass, and it was an absolute line drive of a throw. It was like uh, normally um, when you are in that situation, kind of like Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins a week and a half ago, like you're throwing it up and hoping that a guy can go up and jump you know, for a jump ball and get it. But that Favre to Lewis connection was like this absolute laser of a pass from 39 yards away. Um, and I'll never forget that because typically those end, end of game moments are just heaving the ball and hoping somebody can go up and jump. But it was like this cold blooded fastball that just happened to go down uh, right in Lewis's hands. So. Oh, yes. And then I wasn't really sure if he caught it or not. <laughs> Like, you know, it takes you a minute to like look around like, did it catch it? Did it catch it? Because you had a crowd going crazy. Yeah, yeah. And at, at home, uh, what was I, 25 or so? Uh, you want to make sure that his feet were in. So being mm. the, the cynical person that I am and was, you're thinking like, okay, well, they're probably going to call. They're, they're going to review this and figure out that his feet were out. But no, sure as heck, his feet were in. And uh, yeah, even Favre got drilled on that pass. So when you guys are trying to figure out if it was a touchdown or not, I'm sure he was too, because, you know, he was on the ground. Mm -hmm. All right. Before we get to our guest, who is Sean from Georgia, I want to talk about the implications of that loss. So the margin for error is razor thin um, if you are a believer that the Vikings can reach the postseason. Um, it was a little bit more up for up for grabs, so to speak. Um, before the Cowboys game, the Vikings had a 36% chance to make the postseason. Now that's dwindled to 20%. Um, 
for scenarios, the, the Arizona Cardinals would essentially have to go 500 the west, rest of the way. They'd have to go 3-3 three and three in their remaining games, and the Vikings would have to probably only drop one more game. So we, we're in that spot where we need help to get into the big dance. Um, another interesting development was that the Buccaneers lost to the Rams, so that puts them at 7-4. and four. Next week, or uh, this Sunday, I should say, they play the Chiefs, and that won't be an easy game. So conceivably, they could be 7-5 and five by the time they play us. And if we are also 7-5 and five and have this thing turn early, at that point we would be, let's see, 6-6. Six and six. Uh, it would be the six and six Vikings versus seven and five bucks. If the Vikings won that game in Tampa Bay, automatically there's the tiebreaker. The Vikings would have seven and six records. So would the bucks and the Vikings would temporarily be the seventh seed. Uh, that's a long, long ways away in football speak about three weeks, but that could very well happen. Uh, so at this time, we're going to go to our guest um, for the show. And that is Sean from Georgia. Hey, Sean, welcome to the show. I am Dustin Baker. I write about the Vikings and like to introduce you to Bryant McKinney, who was a pro bowler for the Minnesota Vikings, left tackle. What up? (laughs) (laughs) How are you tonight, Sean? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, It's been a kind of long day, but overall pretty good. Okay. And you are from Georgia, correct? Yes, that is correct. All right. Wonderful. Well, I ask of all of our guests, um, when and how did you become a Vikings fan? Uh, so about 10, 11 years ago or so, I would have been seven, eight. Uh, that, I was kind of, you know, just out there watching football to watch football and pretty much I was like, I'm going to be a Vikings fan. And I've just kind of since then been there through everything. Okay. And there was, was it like a particular game or moment or you like the logo or what? I was just, just watching. I was like, fun team to watch so. <laughs> yeah i'm with you all right uh, so let's get into some of the red meat of the conversation what is to blame in your estimation for the recent loss to the cowboys so in my opinion the big thing was uh stop zeke uh he just kind of went and went and went and then andy dalton just he had a good game also uh so i think that the events was a big part of it the offense Overall, was pretty good. Had a couple of plays that I thought could have gone better. Pretty good. Um, but big thing, in my opinion, was just the defense and special teams. They had a lot of good returns off punts. Yeah, so. that's been a theme. Uh, Bryant, is that about how you feel about this Cowboys loss? Yeah, pretty much. Um, you know, they basically lost the game at the end. And... Um, I feel like the offense did a good job keeping them in the game. It was a pretty high-scoring game. Um, just defense, you know, just allow, you know, a late score. Yeah, and that's been a theme. It seems like any time that we have had a loss, and it's been several now, we get on here and we talk about how the offense, for the most part, did its job. And the defense, which is so weird because we're so used to this stingy defense. So, all right. So, Sean, the pathway to the postseason is now extremely thin. I want to ask you, um, do you still have hope? Uh, I personally do. I I think if we just went out, then we have a chance of making it in as the sixth seed. I think it's like that because we have to beat, you know, Tampa and New Orleans, and they're both good teams, and they're both be away games. So 
Okay. So you still got a like uh, hoping this. You think they're going to run the table, or you still you'll think that they'll maybe drop one and get some help from the Cardinals or something like that. I think they'll probably drop one, probably against either probably against the Saints. Because okay. Superdome just that's just a hard place to go play. It is. Well, you're putting yeah. a lot of faith in the Buccaneers game. Maybe that's because they just got a beatdown put on them. The thing that's nerve wracking about. Uh, my take on the Bucks is next they play the Chiefs, and I'm not going to say that's a guaranteed loss, but if you're going <laughs> to trying to recover, the Chiefs are not a good team to face. And they have a bye week, so they could potentially be coming off two losses and a bye week. And then, oh, look, we got the Vikings on the schedule. So that's why I'm a little bit nervous, but we shall see. Um, on this week with uh, Teddy Bridgewater returning to town, um, were you a Bridgewater guy more so than a Cousins guy? And do you think Bridgewater will stick it to the Vikings this weekend? Uh, yeah, I would say I was more of a Bridgewater fan. Um, I just thought he was a good quarterback. Thought he was a good guy. Overall, he's just he's just a good person, in my opinion. So, and when they kind of just like when he got hurt, that was you know awful, and I I hated watching that. Always always saw it on like my YouTube feed and stuff. And, uh, yeah, so I, I was a really big Bridgewater fan. Okay, yeah, it was a nasty turn of events. We tried to salvage that season with Sam Bradford, and it worked for about a month and a half, and then it collapsed. Uh, Brian, Bridgewater lives is from your neck of the woods in Miami. Is it correct that you are not you don't know him personally? I don't know him personally. I found out when he went to Minnesota, I found out he was from down here. Yeah. But um, I started following his career then when he got to the Vikings, and um, I felt like he was a pretty decent quarterback as well. So I, you know, I became a fan of his as well, and, you know, and then the injury happened and they got him, you know, traded and released. Yeah, he was on a sweet trajectory. The thing that I loved and love about Teddy um, is his fourth quarter acumen. He was not a prolific passer of the football. He was He's decent. He's good. Um, but when the game's on the line from the small sample size that we had in Minnesota, he was pretty money. Um, you didn't have to have a lot of nerves on him. So that's one thing that I'll always remember about Bridgewater and cheer for him to this day, except for this Sunday. Um, we touched a moment ago, Sean, on Cousins. Give us your overall opinion on Kirk because he is pretty controversial when it comes to this fan base. So I want to hear your take. Uh, I think Kirk's a good quarterback. He has a good arm. Uh, my big issue with him is he's not the most consistent person. Uh, he has You have a good game this weekend. You could have a not great one the next weekend. He's not really consistent overall. And we saw the full start to the season this year. Um, is he worth, you know, $33 million a year? I wouldn't say so, but I think he's a good quarterback. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, I agree that he is indeed a good quarterback, but I, I wrote about this, and I think I mentioned on this show a couple times, the thing that stands him apart, unfortunately, is that his bad games are particularly nasty. Um and the greats, the the Mahomes, the Rodgers, the Brady's, um, Brady's a small exception this year, it seems to be crumbling a bit, is that when the greats have bad games, it's kind of like uh, maybe one touchdown, two picks, the team loses by three. But regrettably, with Kirk, it feels like if he is off, then it just brings everything else downward. Um, and and that's, that's the difference maker. That's where I can see why folks are frustrated with him at times. Um, so I want to call that out. I'm perceived as this Supreme Cousins homer, and I'm not. I just, based on uh, the statistics, I tend to give him a little bit more benefit of the doubt. And um, you know, I like to think most of the stuff that I see from him. And Bryant, you're, you're kind of in the middle on Kirk, aren't you? 
I am, but I agree with both of you. I feel like he's very inconsistent. And like you say, have great games. And if he doesn't play well, not a good game for the whole team, it seems like. Yeah, it's it's a weird dynamic there. All right, uh, Sean, there will be some veterans on this team that will play elsewhere in 2021. There is no doubt about that. That is the nature of the business and the beast of the NFL. Um, So who do you think will be moved or released and uh, which players will most upset you if they uh, indeed are moved or released? Uh, I think we're going to, they're going to try to shop a lot of the veteran players we have like Kyle Rudolph, Adam Thielen, Harrison Smith, all those guys. Um, Maybe even Daniel Hunter uh it for them especially if they know they're coming up on tour they have to pay them and some of those guys you know can get paid big money so they might see you know what they can what offers they can get from them so i wouldn't be surprised if you heard trade rumors about those the ones that are uh, under contract yeah yeah that would that would be i think the usual suspects right now are rudolph um perhaps anthony barr um, because Eric Wilson is filling in fairly well. Um, and then let's see, Anthony Harris is a question mark cause he's only on the, the one year tender. So, uh, of those gentlemen that you mentioned, probably, probably Thielen would be my guest or Daniil, which ones would you be flat out pissed if they were not in purple next year? Uh, I think right now it'd be, yeah, like I said, Thielen and Daniil cause they just have such a big impact on, on the team. Because besides, you know, Thielen and Jefferson, who's the wide receiver three, right? Yeah, that's, um, one, that, that's one thing that's very strange about this team in comparison to good teams. And I guess in my head, I still think the Vikings are a good team, but based on the record, I should probably uh, chill on that is that it's so strange that there's no wide receiver three. I think uh, BC Johnson had a catch last week and it was like, holy crap, somebody else that's a receiver catches the ball and then he got a penalty right afterwards. So it was like, oh, that's why they don't throw it to him. But it's been up. This WR three thing has been a problem since Jarius Wright left. And that was like three years ago. Um, it seems like it's so top heavy with Thielen and Diggs. Of course, it's now Thielen Jefferson that the third wide receiver just isn't there. And that is typically that's not normal, nor is it good. You like to have that Jarius Wright type of dude who catches third down passes and scores maybe three or four touchdowns per year. But so far, you were correct that Taj. To me, Sharp- it sounds like to me it sounds like those other wide receivers are content with being like not having as much pressure on them either. Like you know what I'm saying, name to be the third wide receiver, but nobody stepped up to do that. I feel like they're kind of content because now they feel like it's not a lot of pressure on them. So let's leave the pressure on. Jefferson and Thielen. Yeah, I have to believe that because just the the lack of production from the third wide receiver is you know tangible. Like it's just it's it's crazy, really. Um, like we we paid Tajay or Tajay Sharp a little bit of money, and I don't even know if he's caught a pass. And then uh, BC Johnson, like I said, has been quiet. I think the working theory to describe this is that we have two tight ends that are grabbing all the targets, and that's fine and dandy, but still like. You watch like the Rams play who have Cooper Cup and Robert Woods and then Josh Reynolds is their wide receiver three and he chips in, you know, some big catches here and there. And that's what I would envision from an offense like this because Kirk can distribute the ball. He did it in Washington every year and we know he can do it here. So we shall see. All right, moving right along, um, Sean, while I got you still on here, what is the best moment of 2020 for these Vikings so far? Uh, I'm going to say the best moment was just that three win streak against three division opponents. 
that was overall just solid play in my opinion uh kind of from everyone uh kind of got a little close in that bears game but overall it's just a good set of wins just back to back to back yeah i think uh when it started after the bye week with the DJ Wanham sack on Rodgers, I'm, I'm hoping that isn't the biggest moment of the year. Kind of feeling it might be because it was a win over the Packers and then that was our magnum opus. But um, we shall see there. But yes, good point on a three game winning streak. Too bad it wasn't four because then this conversation would have a whole uh, new zest of optimism. But, you know, what can you do? All right, let's see. Let's do some overall predictions before we get you on your way. Um, Give us your – so we're at through 11 weeks. We're at Thanksgiving. Give us your Super Bowl prediction. Steelers, Seattle. Okay. You're going to take uh, Roethlisberger and Wilson, and are you bold enough to say who's going to win that game? The Steelers will win 24-17. <laughs> you put some thought into this sweet. I did, yeah. All right. What about uh, NFL MVP? Is that uh, a sure thing that it goes to Mahomes? I think it's pretty much going to go to Mahomes, but I think that there's some other people who have a chance of making a, a slight run at it. I think Kyler Murray, if yeah. he keeps up his level of production, can make a, make a run for it. Okay. What, and let's see, who else? Josh Allen's in there. Uh, unfortunately, Rodgers is in there. And then um, Russell Wilson, of course. Who I, I write a national column for fansided.com about the MVP race. And for, gosh – Two months, Russell Wilson felt like an absolute inevitability that he would win the thing. And then he had that stretch of two or three games where he was just turning over the ball. So Mahomes hasn't had a stretch like that or a streak like that. So he is the front runner. Um, this one hits a little bit more closer to home. What about Offensive Rookie of the Year? Does Justin Jefferson have a shot at that, or is that now Justin Herbert's baby? Um, I say now that Joe Burrow is kind of out of the way with his injury, um, it's more open. So I think Jefferson has a shot at it. It'll be really hard, though. Yeah. Because, you know, Herbert's having a really good season for a rookie quarterback also. Herbert's having a good season for any quarterback. Yeah. <laughs> it's so, wild. It's wild when you look at the numbers. Uh, that it, It's very tempting to say, like, well, yeah, he's, he's damn good for a rookie. But you start to look at whether it's QBR or pro football focus or straight-up passer rating. And yeah, the man, he's not going to be an MVP candidate, but his numbers are, you know, right in line with like the top five, six, seven dudes in the league. So I think Justin Jefferson would probably need to have a spree of touchdowns, which he is capable of, especially if Adam Thielen is out uh, this week. But in order to have a realistic chance to dethrone Herbert, he'll need touchdowns because that's where he's sort of deficient right now. Um Bryant, you were on the Vikings when Adrian took home the Offensive Rookie of the Year award. Um, what are some memories of that? I mean, I wasn't. I don't know. I don't know what to say. <laughs> I mean, he, it wasn't like it was like an award ceremony, and then I was that. So. No, I just meant throughout the uh, throughout the season. Uh, you, throughout the season, I mean, I feel like I was just on my job, and yeah. you know, it came with it, came with it. I wasn't really thinking about that at all, honestly. Yeah, no, fair enough. All right, John, anything that we forgot? Anything you want to add to our listeners out there? Uh, it's just been one hell of a season to watch, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's been topsy-turvy. Um, any other insights that you were, you were burning to tell our, our listeners? I don't, you just got to stick with it. I mean, you're going to have a rough season, rough season or two. You just got to stick with it. Be faithful. They'll yep. come back. 
I'm with you. All right, last thing. Um, what is your prediction for this Sunday? Panthers, Vikings. I'm going to say Vikings won 24-21. Okay, so a lower score. All right, Sean from Georgia, we appreciate it. Yeah, it's my pleasure being out here. Yep. Thanks for joining us. Yep. yep. All right, so this Sunday we will play the Carolina Panthers, a team that is led by Teddy Bridgewater, who we think will play. It sounds like he's trending that way. Um, their best player is Christian McCaffrey. He, he will not. Uh, so I wanted to ask you, Bryant, um, in situations where you are down a superstar player, what goes into a game plan? Do you just does that completely not matter or um when you're down a player, you 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 know, you try to build up that next player that's next in line mm-hmm. and really like hype them up and, and hope that they have a great game. I mean, this is your opportunity. Um and I do feel like other players around that player try to raise their game up even more as well. Um, just because of the fact that you know, you're missing somebody. So when I'm saying raise your level up, I'm not saying like you don't always try to play at a higher level, but you try, you just expect the more you want to do more. Like, you know what I mean? If you get what I'm saying, because I'm not saying it like as if you don't on a regular, but it's just, you just emphasize on trying to do a lot more to help out the other person to just build up the whole level of that side of the ball or whatever. So okay, that's kind of what takes place. Okay, Just like, for instance, when I explain to people like, when you get into the playoffs, you have to play at a higher level because things come become a lot more physical. Not saying during a regular season, things are still physical. Is at this point now, people are playing at a higher level because it's either you're going to go to the next week or you're going home. You know what I mean? <laughs> yep, yep. And I, uh, I'm a basketball fan too, and that that is huge in basketball because it's it seems like in the contemporary NBA that teams really start playing defense in the postseason. And so, to your point about uh, step stepping up the level for the NFL postseason, it makes complete sense. So as I said, Bridgewater will be back um, in Minneapolis. There won't be any fans, so the the fanfare, the hoorah probably won't be there, or flat out won't. So we don't have to give him the standing ovation, although we would. Um, but there's a little added drama there with him being back. Um, this is also, like I said, we're playing the Panthers, and if a memory serves me correct, that was the game that effectively ended Dante Culpepper's career with the Panthers. And uh, Bryant, you were on that team. Um, do you recall that day? I really don't. No? Um, I really don't remember what happened that day. I mean, remember he got injured. I didn't realize it was – I didn't remember it was against the Panthers. Oh, okay. So, yeah, I really don't have much to say. No, that was – I mean, it was a earth-shattering moment for him um, because he would never get his job back with the Vikings and he would never quite be the same. Um, so that always brings back unfortunate memories for when the Vikings play the the Panthers, and that, that particular game was in um, 2005. Uh, let's see, what else do we have on the Panthers? They're a pretty average football team. They are 21st in points scored, 15th in points allowed. So in that regard, they're, they're pretty much the def- definition of an average team. They are four and seven. Um, the Vikings are four and six. The Panthers have not had their bye week yet. So they're not that much worse than the Vikings when it comes to wins and losses. They would have to run the table to have a shot at the postseason. And it's getting more and more like the, like that for the Vikings that they would probably have to do the same. Uh, one thing I wanted to get your take on is do players who are in playoff hunts like this, do they 
No. I mean, did they look at the, the standings and say like, yeah, we can only lose one more or Hey, if the Cardinals lose, then we're in good shape. Do players follow that type of stuff? You kind of have an idea of what okay. needs to happen for you to, to make it. Yeah. So you kind of, you kind of know that you need to win. At the end of the day, you know, you need to win. Yeah. You're also looking at other games too to see who is going to lose as well. Okay. That's cool because I know in my sports fan career that uh, some coaches say they don't have, they don't follow that at all. But you, you have to think that there's 53 dudes on a team and then however many coaches that they have to know what the stakes are. And not, not saying they have to scoreboard watch during the game or anything like that, but. Um, it would be remiss to think like they, they wouldn't keep their eyes on the Cardinals because that's the main foe. So cool. They actually do do that. I wanted to get your take. Um, a little while ago, we were talking about the discrepancy between offense and defense. This year, the offense is one of the top offenses in the league. Um, there's no other way around it. I guess it feels probably a little blasé because the team is four and six. Um, and then the defense is lagging behind and it's an oddity for a Mike Zimmer team um, but that's where we're at so you talked about in your career with the Vikings that that was commonplace that uh, you had to motivate the defense to get on board with what the offense was doing does that cause friction at all it doesn't but it, it, it can have its moments um okay. but it's not like a constant thing you know what I'm saying yeah it can have its moments sometimes you know People on each side of the team, it could be at a practice something, and then somebody could say something. You know what I mean? Like, oh gosh, don't you know? Don't speak for all of us, but but other than that, no. It's just like you know, we're just trying to be supportive. We're all teammates at the end of the day. Okay. And we just really need you guys to go out here and you know try to figure out how to play at a high level so we can win. Okay. Fair enough. Um, some couple other interesting things on the Panthers before Bryant and I get to predictions. Uh, Steven Weatherly will also be returning to town. He was the backup defensive end for, se- for several years with me, or three or four years with the Vikings. Um, I don't think he's getting tons of playing time um, with the Panthers. Uh, he's getting some, but he certainly um, is not a starter or anything. Another thing that the Panthers do quite well is they are an accurate throwing team. They do complete passes, but they're usually pretty short passes. Um, In terms of uh, passing accuracy, they are the second best team in the business. Uh, But then overall, um, their yards per pass is about the middle of the league. So it's kind of a dink and dunk offense at times, and we'd have to be prepared for that. They are very good defensively in the red zone, and that'll be a nice matchup because the Vikings are very good offensively in the red zone. Um, But the Panthers are not to be feared on third down defensively. They are towards the bottom half of the league in that. And they are strange in the sense that they have beat the Cardinals this year. Um, They beat the Chargers, who are a pretty decent team. They just shut out the Lions, and that was, you know, handful of days ago so they do have some momentum um so and they beat the falcons who beat us so they do have some pretty decent uh wins under their belt and it's not that the vikings are going to take them for granted because it's not really possible for a four and six team to be in the business of taking anybody for granted but i personally was scared of the cowboys in the sense that you know people were saying it was a trap game and that's fine but usually if you're getting involved in a trap game, you have a winning record. So I think that uh, we just 
showed up against a team that was a little bit more hungry, and we couldn't get the job done at the uh, the end. Uh, Mike Zimmer is 2-1 and one against the Panthers. The last time that the Vikings lost to the Panthers was 2017. It They ended a Vikings win streak. I believe it was 11 games. And ultimately, the Vikings went to the NFC Championship this year. And all-time, the Vikings are 8-6 and six against the Carolina Panthers. So they do have the edge in the historical series. Um, Bryant, I think we're going to wrap this one up a little early because it's the holiday. So I want to get to you on your prediction for this Sunday, Vikings-Panthers. Um, you know, with them coming off – is at home, right? Yes, it is. <laughs> All right, so with them coming, like it doesn't matter, right? Um, <laughs> I just feel like, you know, maybe the less traveling they have to do, you know, yeah. they're more rested. Um, them coming off of a loss and they're facing a, a team similar to themselves, I could see them pulling out this win. I could see it being – I don't see it being a high-scoring game. Um this game might be somewhere like 2017. 2017. All right. You got a three-point victory, and that's kind of right what the, the Vegas line is. The Vikings are favored by three and a half, as I said at the beginning of the show. I'm going to take the Vikings 27 to 20, um, so not a crazy high-scoring affair, but not something that is going to bore anybody. Um, the other thing to keep an eye on is that we'll find out probably within a day or two whether or not Adam Thielen will play. He is in the coronavirus protocol. Um, I think he had a positive test and then a negative test, so he has to keep testing each day to figure out if he'll be good to go. The offense would look pretty strange without him. Um, they can probably still find a win with Justin Jefferson and the two tight ends and, of course, Dalvin Cook. But with Thielen back with these – you know, Herculean catches that he's making for touchdowns. We'd kind of like to see him back in the lineup. Um, and, you know, so we don't miss a beat offensively. But that's all we have for this edition, the Cowboys slash Panthers edition of the podcast. Um, we wish you a happy Thanksgiving. Bryant, am I forgetting anything? No, that's pretty much it. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Oh, yeah, likewise. Um, so that's all we got. We will talk to you after the Panthers game and Skull Vikings. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.